The following program is furnished by Startup Nation Media Group. Welcome to this edition of Startup Nation Radio. We've got a couple of good stories to tell you today. Stories of success, young people making things happen with their startup dreams. And we're going to start with a really interesting story that is in a very, very hot space. That's for sure. Actually, a couple of hot spaces combined to one to make a super product. And these guys are rolling. We've got James Reyna and Alvaro Ortega on with us to tell us about their product, Jibby Coffee. Guys, welcome to Startup Nation Radio. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, so I already know you guys are smart. Coffee's hot. CBD is hot. Boy, put them together and what do you have? You have Jibby Coffee and lots of success, right? (laughs) Yeah, that's absolutely right. I mean, that's the idea. So look, tell us about your vision. I mean, how did this all come together? Tell us the story. Yeah, well, Alvaro and I met through a program called Venture for America, which connects recent college grads with kind of startups around the U.S. And we were talking together one day about basically just about how much coffee we were drinking and how we were bouncing off the walls. And I had learned that caffeine was actually the coffee plant's natural defense mechanisms. Like by design, it's supposed to make you feel restless and uncomfortable. So Alvaro and I were just kind of spitballing ideas on on how to fix that, how to innovate on a product that hasn't changed much for hundreds of years since coffee was invented. And we came across CBD. And and It's not easy to try to beat Mother Nature, guys. (laughs) Exactly. Well, we combined two parts of Mother Nature. Okay, there you go. And it becomes even better. Right. So so we started adding CBD into the coffee, and, and it really just fixed all of the problems we had. So instead of being bouncing off the walls and having that caffeine crash, it accented it in a way that it was just a steady, calm, pure energy. And it was like an aha moment the second that, that we had it, the first day that we had it. It was like, it just worked. And we kept making it. Yeah, for context, I realized much earlier than James that coffee and I had a complicated relationship. I had tried Bulletproof coffee and uh-huh. yerba mate and matcha green tea. So I, at the time that James and I were talking, I had already heard of CBD. And I think he was more intrigued because he was a coffee purist. So James had owned a coffee shop in Brooklyn and he had been roasting coffee from a young age with his mom. So I think it came from like the the guy that had realized that he was in a bad relationship telling the person that thought that he was in the perfect relationship, that he was probably <laughs> also in a bad relationship. There we go. Well, you guys are going to have to map this out for me here. <laughs> no. Look, here's the thing, though. I'm going to give you a little pushback. So I want to see how you get around this coffee. People drink it like I drink coffee every morning, but I, for me personally, it's not really a love affair with coffee. I don't go for the big fancy cup of coffee. I'm going for the caffeine because if I don't get that shot in the morning, you know, I just don't get my day started right. So it doesn't take away from, you know, the persona who gets that cup of coffee in the morning, who's looking for that little shot in the morning to get them going, get to get a, to jumpstart the engine. Yeah. I mean, maybe you like the morning one, but you may not like the afternoon one. That's Maybe a good you point. may not like them three or four. I think we, we kind of wanted to make a product that fit those various needs. I think when we, we first started building the product, we said that this product for coffee lovers and for people that don't yes. like coffee. Yes. And I think in a way we've done that by being really pure to that coffee flavor that the coffee lover might like. Yep. Yeah. Like I was saying, I mean, coffee is, it's so ingrained into the American way of life. I mean, I think it's like the number one or number two commodity in the world. Right. So a lot of people have different relationships with coffee. And we wanted to create a product that just sort of like fit into people's natural rituals of their morning and not yep. change that, just yep. basically make it a little bit better. But that's kind of an, a lofty and ambitious goal, right? Making a product for everybody. We definitely have been conscious to kind of like get a few people on board and realize that at the very least, like 
we want to make it amazing for a few in hopes of making it great for the many. Well, I think, okay, so I, I gave you a little pushback, but I want to tell you, I think the product's amazing. I mean, I think there's all the, you know, huge, huge market potential here. Certainly it's a big market, second largest commodity, I think you said. And so I think this idea of being able to, you know, for coffee lovers specifically to be able to enjoy their coffee without bouncing off the walls and yet still, you know, get that level of enjoyment and the, the you know, that connection to the, the coffee that people love so much. It's hot. I think it's really hot. So I think, you know, I'm, I, I mean, again, I gave you that little pushback, but I'm very bullish on the product idea and where you guys are headed with it. So here you produce this product, you've tested it, you've perfected the formula, you're in market, right? Right. First of all, I love the look of your packaging. I love the website and you guys have done a really nice job presenting thank you the so product. much. Really nice. Uh, I don't know if we deserve all of that, but thank you. Ah, I think it's great. I really do. <laughs> ah, I wouldn't Thanks. say it if I didn't mean it. So I, I think it's great. All right. So when did you go into market and tell us about what's happening in the market with the product today? We officially went to market in February of 2021, but we had opened it up to consumers in November, hoping to have the product right before the holiday season. So we had opened it up for pre-orders. We had started actually ideating the business back in May of 2020 in, in peak COVID lockdown. So both James and I were in our respective mom's houses, locked in a room, working all day, working from home. And in the off hours, we were working on this. So in a way, we were able to build a 10-person team by just putting that work wow. into two people that were really bored. Really cool. <laughs> I want to throw in one story. So like Alvaro said, we were supposed to launch like, I don't know, November or December. And we were awaiting our first batch of coffee. Like this is a hugely exciting moment for us. Like we spent almost a year working on this. Uh, we spent a lot of money, a lot of time, sweat equity into it. And we were we just had our coffee finish up where it was getting roasted and packed out. And it was supposed to get shipped down to Alvaro in Miami. And we get a call in the morning that there was a huge cold front where our coffee is brewed oh in the Midwest and all of our coffee froze. Everything, everything froze. It was going to put us back six to eight weeks and it was like such a blow to the heart. And, you know, I mean, that's just, you just have to have a stomach for that stuff. And we just kept going and kind of redid, you know, we didn't just thaw the coffee and sell it. We just redid an entirely new batch because we didn't want any of the, the taste compromised. Well, we're going to run to a quick break. You've given us a good introduction to what you're doing and kind of where you are right now in the, in the early stages of this. But I want to hear kind of the, now, I mean, I think, again, I think the product's cool. It's got a place in the world. We want to hear about the competition, how you're going to beat the competition. You guys, I assume, are going to have to raise some money to get this out there and create some awareness. We want to hear your views and strategy and, and plan around all of that and all the rest that goes with making a product like this a big success. So stick with us on Startup Nation Radio. We're going to hear from James and Alvaro, more from them on how they're making this happen right after this break. All right, welcome back to Startup Nation Radio. Today we're talking about, hey, how can you beat this? Coffee and CBD. Hey, coffee and CBD, it's got a ring to it. I love it. Actually, we're talking about Jibby Coffee. We're talking to two young guys who are making Jibby Coffee happen, and that's James Reyna and Alvaro Ortega. You guys, you're onto something. Not that you need to hear that from me, but that's my opinion. I think you're really onto something big. Look, the product looks amazing. I said that before. All your work, everything you've done, the way it's presented, it looks like there's big money behind this. You guys went out and raised ten million bucks to make this happen, didn't you? No, I wish. <laughs> and I, I almost wish opposite. what we would have done if we had raised ten million. We built this entirely with the money that James and I had saved from the year and a half, two years that we were in the workforce at the time. So not a lot of money. Yeah, I cracked open my piggy bank. Yeah. 
Yeah. So James actually had some luck in college. He stumbled upon an opportunity turning a meme that was very popular at the time into a product. So he had manufactured this product that was representative of this meme and it went viral. Wow. And he's able to still fund a lot of his expenses on his side of Juby Coffee and his living expenses from that. That's Me, incredible. on the other hand, I've had to work part-time jobs and I had to leave my job in order to work Juby Coffee. So that's been, it's very, very interesting, the dynamics on the both sides in order to fund this, but entirely comes from our own savings from two respective departments. That's really impressive. I mean, I was kidding about raising $10 million, of course, but you know, I mean, it looks that way as a compliment. And so how do you though, in the absence of raising big money, this is a consumer product. The big challenge is how do you get the word out? How do you fend off competition? Tell us what your, you know, what your plans are. The key is just to like build a good brand that people want to talk about and share with other people. And word of mouth is such an important and powerful tool, especially in our space. In the CBD space, there's a lot of restrictions on how we can advertise. Like we can't run Facebook ads or Google ads. So press, I mean, you know, being on an awesome show like yours, like this is a huge help in just getting the word out and leveraging our customers who are our big fans. Like Alvaro does a lot of the, the actual shipping and fulfilling, and he writes a handwritten note to basically every single one of our customers. And I think that's a really nice little touch, and a lot of people have made a comment on that. Wow. Well, listen, the day that you aren't writing those notes anymore, personally, one-off to everyone, is the day I know you guys are making it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think it comes down to what James was saying. I think he was spot on. I think it's kind of ensuring that that word of mouth happens. Of course, like we can trust that someone's going to talk about the fact that they tried a CBD coffee, but in the off chance that they don't talk about that, we like to give them other reasons to tell their friends about our company. So we include stickers, we write a handwritten note, and in the cases that we can, for instance, in Miami, we also do a hand delivery and I'll try to greet them however I can, because you don't want to leave that up to chance if you really need them to talk about your product. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Let me ask you about the taste. I'm curious. Does it taste just like coffee? Or are you tasting something unique? Oh, yeah. It's, so this is actually an important, like a, a key way that we built this brand. So Alvaro mentioned this, but I, I had a pop-up coffee shop in Brooklyn back in 2015. And coffee's like been an incredibly important part of my life. I've been roasting beans with my mom for since I was a kid, basically. So we wanted to put coffee taste first and foremost. And we didn't want to have a product that tasted like CBD. So our... our right. It took a while for us to basically decide on a taste profile that we both loved, but we landed on two organic farms in Colombia. And it's a smooth and familiar original black coffee, so no sugar, no frills, no compromises, just coffee, water, and the CBD ingredient. What is the name, the brand, Jibby? Yeah. There is <laughs> go for it, go for it. No, yeah, I think we both have our different takes on it, but at the end of the day, there were a lot of names that Jibby Coffee was before this. And I think it comes from the fact that when you build a business for the first time, you think it's as simple as just registering a domain, but there's trademarks mm -hmm. and there's similarity in other products. And then there's also association or branding. Like you can't just call it 420 coffee wow. because then you can't really <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> market it to the people that are afraid of cannabis being an ingredient in this and you right. have to educate them on it. So we came with the name Jibby at almost the last possible minute we could because we were putting in the order for our can design. And the way we stumbled upon the name was the jib sale is the frontmost sale of the sailboat. Right. And it has the unique function of keeping the boat steady. So I thought you could look at the coffee as being the main sale of propelling you forward, but the CBD is balancing you. And that just fit way too perfectly. That's very cool. Are you a sailor? 
No. I I actually like weirdly, I'm not a sailor either, but I weirdly was sailing that summer when we were deciding on on the Uh. name. And, and, you know, another part of the name is just, it's just like a fun, it's a fun and familiar name. And honestly, like the CBD space can be a little bit intimidating. Even the coffee space can be intimidating for for people who are like in the third wave coffee movement. So I think we just wanted something that was approachable. And that's how we've gone about building the entire brand. It's something familiar and approachable and comfortable, playful, a little groovy. I like it. No, it works. Where's the product available? How do you, how how does a consumer buy it these days? Yeah, we, we sell basically nationwide on our website, jibbycoffee.com, free shipping everywhere. And we we launched in Alvaro's backyard in Miami. Not not his actual backyard, but in yeah, right. in Miami. I think we're in almost a dozen stores down there, um, cafes, restaurants, um, grocery stores, et cetera. And we're looking at going to New York next, honestly, because that's, that's where I am. We have a few other retail partners across the country in states with more uh, i'd say favorable environments and also just like similar customer bases but apart from that we're on a few different online marketplaces and I, i'd like to just name drop them just because they've been sure. very helpful for us sure. but zippy pantry is one which is great it has a whole array of different cool brands on there that some sustainable some healthier alternatives and another one that we work with is gold dune which is all sustainable brands and another one we work with is Domicello. So, yeah, finding other different places that could fill that Amazon gap that a lot of different businesses go with. That, I think that's great. And your website, again, if people want to buy directly from you guys, it's Jibby Coffee, J-I-B-B-Y, coffee.com, right? Yep, that's it. Yeah, and so I wanted to ask you, you had a vision of bringing this product to market. Here you are at the stage of the evolution of this product trajectory that you're in right now. How does it feel? Are you where you thought you'd be? Are you behind? Are you ahead? Are you happy? How are you feeling about this? All, literally all of the emotions. I mean, yeah. like excited, um, optimistic, but also, you know, nervous and, and yeah. anxious about what we're doing. I mean, this is, this is our first foray into a big business like this. Alvaro and I both have, have been doing startup work since we were young. Um, but it, frankly, it's exciting and it's fulfilling, most importantly. Like, I, I really enjoy what I do every day. I like waking up and, and working on Jibby Coffee. So I think fulfilled is the best is the best answer. I think there's That's a good. lot more that we can do to go forward. But yeah. I like that answer. James, what do you see? So here you are. You feel fulfilled. It's, it's good so far. You've got a lot of confidence and optimism about where this can go. What is the plan from here on out? Like what are the critical steps you're going to take from here to get to the next level uh, where you guys want to be? Yeah, well, it's like food and beverage is a really, a really tough game, and it's all volume based. So the the people who have big distribution networks are the ones who are really coming out on top, and it's an expensive, expensive game. So like we mentioned in the beginning, we're completely bootstrapped. Our plan almost from the start was to prove out our business model in the first six to eight months, maybe a year if it takes that long, and take that proof of concept to investors and raise a little bit of money. Yeah. Use that money to expand our distribution network. Yeah. Yep. That's our long-term plan. That makes sense. And do, do you guys want to make this your full-time thing? Yeah, absolutely. I, okay. I love doing this. I think coffee is an incredibly fun space. I think food, just the food space, whether it's like CPG, like what we're in, or kind of like the, the service industry, like uh, hospitality, I think is a really fun adjacent space. And we get to talk to a lot of restaurant owners and cafe owners. And it's just, it's just fun. And people are so nice. So uh, yes, is the answer. I would love to do this completely full time. One last question, then we'll go. The competition. 
is there direct competition right now? You know, not really. It's kind of crazy. CBD was a big land grab uh, starting in, I guess, 2018. A lot of people just went for seltzers. They went for the easy route, mm-hmm. you know, and also back when CBD craze was at full force, the, the ingredient just tasted bad. But now in 2020, 2021, we especially have a really great CBD ingredient that's, that's effective and tasteless. So it enables us to make an actually like good tasting product. So I think there's only one or two other CBD coffee companies and they're extremely regional. Nobody has come out on on top just yet, and and that's our goal. Wow, exciting. Check them out, jibbycoffee.com, J-I-B-B-Y, coffee.com. You guys deserve success. I hope you get it, and I believe you will. Pretty exciting. Thank you so much. Pretty exciting. Thanks for being on Startup Nation Radio, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks. Later. Okay. We'll be back in a moment with more on Startup Nation Radio. All right, so moving from one very interesting entrepreneurial story to another, we've got a really interesting, speaking of interesting, this word really applies. Jerome Crawford, you're an all-around interesting guy. Welcome to Startup Nation Radio. <laughs> I'm glad to be here. Really yeah, appreciate n- you guys having me. Hey, no pressure when I tee you up that way and set an <laughs> expectation. Uh, but listen, you're Director of Legal Operations and Social Equity of a company called Pleasantries. You're in the cannabis business. Tell us first about your business, what you guys do. Yeah, sure. So Pleasant Trees is a vertically integrated startup founded here in Michigan in 2018 in the cannabis industry. And what vertically integrated essentially means we operate in a few different channels, most notably and through our, our CEO and founder, Randall Buckman. We are cultivation being our core competency. We got a 50,000 square foot grow facility in Harrison Township. He was one of the first caregivers when you had what's called the gray market, right, back in the late first of decade, 2000, 2009, 2010. And so he brought that competency over, knocks doors, got some investment, they would have found pleasantries in 2018 uh, and expanded to additional channels. Now we have a packaging and processing facility very nearby to the grow, two retail stores currently up in Michigan, which has uh, been the other big development, one in East Lansing, one in Hamtramck, uh, and you got several more coming online here in the state. And one thing about cannabis, it's very state specific. Everyone's an island. And the cool part is that we will be moving to Massachusetts here in just about uh, 30 to 60 days with our first retail store there, which exciting is going to make us the first Michigan-founded cannabis company to become what you call an MSO or multi-state operator. So, yeah, pretty cool stuff on the horizon. So I kind of teed you up mm-hmm. by saying you're an interesting guy, and, and, and it's fitting. <laughs> you, you have a varied background. Yes. You know, we always, on Startup Nation Radio, always love to hear about the kind of the backstory of how an entrepreneur ends up to be an entrepreneur and to get into business and why that business and so on and so on. But, you know, you've got a colorful and varied background from, you know, being a performer, mm-hmm. actor, model, comedian, you know, standout college student, you're a lawyer, right? <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, man, do you sleep? You know, I, I try it out. I mean, at least three <laughs> times a week, oh, right? <laughs> you, 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 you try it out, right? Exactly. And you need a little cannabis probably to help get you to rest for a minute, right? Just cool it. Later, you know, be cool, man. That's right. I mean, you know what? The good part, one of the parks of the job is a really good R&D access. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, But, you know, no, to your your point, man, you know, it's funny you say an interesting fact. And I love when it gets flipped on me because in a variety of settings, I was just doing scholarship interviews about a week or two ago for an organization I'm involved with. Uh, for law students. And I love open the interview with like, what's your one interesting fact, right? It's kind of a level setter. And anytime I walk in a room, like when I walk in the lawyer rooms, my interesting fact is that I'm an actor. And when I walk into auditions, my interesting yeah. fact is I'm a lawyer. So like, You're I got a, a built in right. one. They're like, what are you doing? And they both said, like, what are you doing here? <laughs> so it's you, pretty you, cool. You got it covered, coming and going. You, you got it covered. Definitely. Well, 
So, I mean, it wouldn't be fair to say that you grew up saying you wanted to be an entrepreneur. I mean, here you were doing these other things, going to law school. That takes time away from being an entrepreneur uh, for most people. Yeah. Yeah. You know, how did the path get you to where you are today? Uh, So a long, long time ago. I'm sure, by the way, I'm sure it was all mapped out. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Once upon a time, but no, no. And I was going to jump in and say, I'm sure it was all mapped out. It's all perfect sense, right? Oh, exactly. It goes according to plan. Well, hindsight's 2020. Exactly. You get the benefits of exactly how I drew it up. In fact, I'm a big golfer. And so, you know, you get that shot that's terrible, but ends up on the greens. I drew it up that way. Exactly. Exactly. Right. um, And drawing up my life at the young age of five. No, um, you know, to, to, to be honest, man, you know, Actually, in a weird way, acting got me into the law. And simultaneously, when I look back in hindsight, I realized that acting was my first entrepreneurial kind of venture. So if you catch me in high school, what I wanted to do is I wanted to be on Nickelodeon. Like, that was the dream. Like, you know, mm. go put me on all that, and I want to live the dream. And, you know, I had the benefit and the reality check of finding out a lot about the TV and film industry very early. So I got a chance to go to an event called IMTA, International Modeling and Talent Association, to a big convention in, in Cali in New York every year. Got around producers, executives, saw what callbacks, auditions were like on a large scale. And it showed me two things. You know, one was that the nature of TV and film acting is very much right face, right place, right time, right? I mean, Ashton Kutcher got discovered as a model and had no interest in acting, right? I mean, in a weird way, like some event because he just happened to be there. Number one, that's that. Number two, you realize that if you're going to be in the field of acting or in that, be an actor, you got to have a way to make money outside of it, right? Being a quote unquote working actor, you know, mm-hmm. might mean you got gigs going one time, then you got kind of a dry season. Just depends. You may not always be the regular on that big, you know, TV show or sitcom or, you know, or get the movie deal. Mm-hmm. So with that reality check, I, I said, well, what additional passions I have? Well, I knew I liked law, initially law enforcement. My dad's retired from the federal, federal government, federal investigator. Um, and so I'd always thought, man, it'd be cool. Like I should be like a, like a cop on TV, be in CIA. And then I realized I don't want to get shot in real life. Like I was like, nah, mm. I, I just, just play it. Like give me the blood pack to smash on my chest and then I can go into my truck. Right. So I, I like that concept a lot more. <laughs> and it came to me that, you know what, acting is something I'm always very passionate about, but I heard about this concept called entertainment law. A classmate of mine, shout out to you, Ashley Reed. Um, I heard she came in 16th birthday, like a two seater bins. I was like, you know, common question. What's your dad do? She goes, he's, a, he's an entertainment lawyer. I said, there's such a thing. Never even heard the concept. Didn't have lawyers in the family. And I knew I liked this thing called law and acting and advocacy. And it all kind of just came together in an amalgamation that entertainment law is what I want to do. The irony of which is that I've practiced entertainment law over the years. I did big law and big law firms. I was in-house counsel of companies, automotive industry. I've had my own firm and did clients on the side and things like that. The irony is that <laughs> not until really more recently in the cannabis industry, I've been more connected to the entertainment industry now than at any other point in my career as far as entertainment law, which is pretty funny. But it's the nature of the, the industry. It's the nature of, of what we do, what we produce. But, you know, how I got here was that I knew I wanted to do this thing called law. And the cool part about it is I've been able to maintain the acting dream all along the way. And you mentioned entrepreneur because entrepreneurship is a term of art, right? That has gotten, it's always been a that, thing. That's right. But, yep. it's, but it's gotten so much, you know, more excitement around in the last few decades, right? Particularly in the last probably 10 to 15 years mm-hmm. where so many people have their own LLCs or getting trademarks and things of that nature. Yep. And so with all that in mind, I looked back and I said, wow, well, like me, my product, my service I was providing was myself as an actor, as a stand-up comedian, as an MC, as a host. 
Right. I mean, we're living in the world of influencers and, you oh, know, yes. individual personal brands and so on. And, and, you know, absolutely. I mean, the person becomes the, I hate to say it this way, the person becomes the product. I mean, you know? it's true though, right? You, yeah. You're definitely right. a service you're right. providing in that moment. And right. so, yeah, I mean, in a weird way, that's how I became entrepreneurial first. And then, you know, mm-hmm. how cool it was me to step in and bring my legal background, that acumen, and to step into, you know, an industry, that kind of startup realm. Um, and not my first time necessarily being in a startup room, but doing it kind of at this magnitude is really cool and very fulfilling, particularly with the kind of social equity side of stuff I get to do too. Yeah. And so then came along, well, how did it come along, the opportunity specifically to start the, the business you're in today? Yeah. So it, a little bit of it preceded me. I said a lot of bit of it um, in a sense that, so our, our CEO, uh, yeah, Randy, um, you know, knocked a bunch of doors, got some, got some investment, you know, you had what you call the gray market in the cannabis industry. What that was mm-hmm. is when he was a caregiver, you, know, you got a certain limitation, number of plants you can sell, the channels you can do it through. He took a very proactive approach of, hey, good relationship with local law enforcement officials. Like, hey, come check out the facility anytime you want, right? Mm-hmm. Trying to make, do what you can to stay kind of in, in the bounds, right? Because there was a lot of uncertainty with, with, with how things are being done. And then, in, you know, basically 2016, then ultimately 2018, you had the medical marijuana acts that were enacted in Michigan. And then you have your, what you call the adult use licensing or recreational act. And knowing those were coming, when those were coming, then he was able to basically get, um, you know, key investors involved to be able to say, hey, we want to do this at larger scale, right? We're already doing this at certain scales in the caregiver status, but we want to enter the commercial market. Uh, he did that and began to build out, build out the team. I mean, this time last year, call it 14 months. We had 30 employees at the company. That was pre-pandemic. <laughs> yeah. And and my coming in, ironically, was through our chief legal officer, Ben Sacek, who is a really good friend of mine from our Dickinson Wright big law firm days. And we first, he's the first guy I met when I walked in the door. And so his first day last year was, okay, great. We're a company. We're still pretty small, right? 30 employees. Most of them are at the, at the grows. We call it the cultivator. And it was, by the way, state's shutting down. Um, so we're going to have to do this like a space station. People are going to have to live whoever, who doesn't have a spouse or a child. You're going to mm. live here. We're going to bring you food at the door. I mean, it was literally that wow. level of yeah. what's going to happen. Right. We got deemed essential within hours. Right. And that really helped us get a great trajectory because we were able to not only survive through the pandemic, but very fortunate to thrive. We've got over 150 employees or so right now, um, across all of our channels and, and growing every day, especially with continued expansion. So that's kind of how, I mean, how it got started with, I think was the expertise, the core competency that Randy had himself, right. Finding the right partners around him to be sort of part of the initial core leadership team. Obviously, investors needed capital, right? Because he couldn't do it all himself. And, and he said, hey, if we want to make this thing go to scale, it was find people that were interested, especially in nascent industry and no different than entrepreneurship. Sometimes your idea is new, right? Yep, yep. You're on the cusp of it. Yep. And so when you're on the cusp of it, you need people that believe in it. They believe in the vision. Right, you may right. not even have complete proof of concept yet. Right. And so he did have some proof of concept and you just had a new law that was coming out that was, was nascent and brand new to everybody. Um, and, and pretty cool. You fast forward through that. Um, I mentioned our CLO, uh, Ben, you know, tapped me last summer or so and said, Hey, I think there's an opportunity to bring you over here. And he and I had already kind of just been in conversation about, about the cannabis industry. He was a kind of foremost expert on the legal regulatory side on the big law stuff. So law kind of became, you know, that way, if you will, uh, in for me. Well, it's interesting, and I'm sure there's a lot of people listening. There are a lot of people that want to be in this business, and and to be in this business, that can mean a lot of things. This is new territory. This is the Wild West still to a degree. Listen, we're going to run to a break. When we come back, I'd love to talk about the industry more broadly and maybe what some of the opportunities are for those that are dialed in right now and listening to the show and saying, hey, where can I carve out a little niche for myself? Maybe we can uh, offer some guidance on that. Sound cool? That's cool. Let's Uh, do it. All right, let's do it. We're going to go to a break. Back with a really interesting guy, Jerome Crawford. (laughs) 
on Startup Nation Radio right after this break. Welcome back to Startup Nation Radio. We've got Jerome Crawford, Director of Legal Operations and Social Equity of a company called Pleasantries. Jerome, really good to have you on the show. Oh, it's a blast to be here. Hey, it's good to have you. You guys are going at this cannabis thing and you're going at it with a real, you know, you've got this vertically integrated approach. You're, you're, you guys are moving and shaking in this business right now. It's not just a casual endeavor. You guys are onto it. I know we probably have a lot of listeners thinking, you know, is there still opportunity? I guess, tell us, if you will, you know, kind of where the industry stands today in its trajectory. Is there still a lot of opportunity left? And if so, maybe let's try to talk about where some of those pockets of opportunity might exist. Yeah, so that's, that's an outstanding question. I think that the first thing to keep in mind is that right now, because what we do is still technically federally illegal, <laughs> you mm-hmm, know, is mm-hmm. that every state is on island, right? Mm-hmm. So what it means is the pockets of opportunity are going to be within that state. So I always have to lay that backdrop. And so let's focus on Michigan because that's, again, where we started. We're heading to other states, namely Massachusetts, and always got eyes other places. Let's talk Michigan. Let's do that. Let's talk Michigan, but I want to jump on one thing. You prompted a question that I just have to ask. I know people must be wondering. You said it's not federally legal. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Yeah. I mean, you know, so my state allows me to do it, but the feds say no. Where, where can I? Where can I run amok there? Yeah, the biggest way you could run amok is interstate commerce, right? So essentially, no product transactions crossing state lines. So, for instance, Michigan grower of of cannabis, you can't sell to Illinois, right? That type mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. Even though Illinois, ironically, and I really picked it on purpose, has its own, you know, legalized, you know, you know, market. Mm-hmm. But let's say you're picking a market that's not legalized at all yet. That type of thing. Right. So what it means is all the activity of the industry has to occur within the bounds of the state. So essentially, that's what it means right now. You've got to think the numbers like what is it, 26 something like states that are online now. I mean, they're and they're all coming online from everywhere from what you call medical use, which is, yeah, you yeah. can do it, but you got to have a card. You know, you're a patient to what you call complete recreational adult use is where Michigan's at right now, where essentially anyone that's, quote unquote, of age, 21 or older, you got your ID, state ID, driver's license. You absolutely can enter a facility you can buy, you can consume, you can do anything, you can work in the industry, all those mm-hmm. types of things. So to jump back into Michigan, the federal, federal illegality is a really funny thing, and it, and it and informs my next comments about where the industry is going. At some point, feds are going to deregulate. It's already happening. Everything from banking laws and how that impacts how we move right now to naturally criminalization, right? And there's a lot of undoing work with there, and I'm sure we'll unpack a little bit of that in a minute. But the, the main part about getting in the industry, like, what are the opportunities there? Well, let's focus on the state. One, you got to look at that state itself and, and look at kind of how they're structured. Every state's taking a different approach when it comes to issuing what you call a license, license to operate. And that license can be for different things, a license to grow, a license to run a retail store, and a license to do related activities, cannabis activities. So, for instance, you're a secure transporter. So you can't just throw things in the back of a truck and move them from facility to facility, right? You've got to have secure transporter services that you either employ to be able to move, you know, product from location to location, depending on the, you know, the shape it's in, right? You're talking finished product, finished goods to, you know, things that are going from a processing packaging facility, you name it, going to a retail store. That is one avenue to get in the industry. So one avenue is what I call your sort of not cannabis adjacent, but they're just maybe your non-plant touching cannabis role. So you're very much okay. in the industry, but you're not yourself getting in the growing type of thing, right? You're not actually selling it. But a secure transporter, a consumption lounge. Consumption mm-hmm, lounges are going to mm-hmm. be a big concept coming mm-hmm. forward, particularly because you might like to have a drink after work, but you don't always do it at your house. Sometimes you like to go to the bar. You like to go to a lounge. You like to go enjoy it among right. friends. That's where consumption lounges um, are, are starting to come online. They're going to be a really big wave, especially if maybe you're inclined there. Now, 
obviously a ton of intricacy. You can't, you can't quite do things yet in the, oh, we're going to maybe have, you know, you can't actually sell, say, cannabis in the same consumption lounge. You could be nearby, you could be next door, right? Maybe even you got different entrances. So there's some, some, some hurdles, but a lot of opportunity. So like when it comes to beverages, uh, like the guys at Jibby Coffee, you know, there's things you can do like that. You can mix coffee, teas, you know, your lemonades, your, your pops, right? Um, you can't quite mix alcohol again, you know, with cannabis. Even people might do it in their own right, like I said, at, at home. Right. Um, you can't right. Quite do it in the it's, not, it's not our business, but, but yeah, it's not our business. Right. right? But 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 it's going to be our business, and that's mm-hmm. where the industries continue mm-hmm. to go as, as as stigmas change, as mindsets change. Um, you then have what I call strictly like straight up cannabis adjacent type of work. We all need service providers too, and I'll be I'll be honest with you. Um, sometimes we get really crappy third party service providers. Part of that is that. We can't always use, let's call it the big boys, so to speak, right? The old, you know, same consulting firm, right? Or accounting or auditing firm that would work with anybody else because of that federal illegality. It doesn't mean that even some of these companies can't work with us. They may not be willing to. It depends on their appetite for risk. Mm -hmm. So banks is a big area, as I mentioned before, you know, banks that might not be inclined if they're federally backed institutions. You know, you actually can't use, in the state of Michigan, like a credit card, to make a cannabis purchase, mm. you can use a debit card because it's considered essentially like a cash back, kind of a cash right. purchase, right? Right. So all that's continuing to change over time, you know. And as it does, if you position yourself in that way, you can be great. And the third way is one of the most obvious ways outside of entrepreneurship alone is finding ways to really get in throughout the org chart, right? Um, every industry, you, we're we're very saturated in Michigan, right? And market saturation is a big issue. Because they didn't put what you call a cap on the licenses. So you're going to have some some stabilization that just naturally happens over time where certain players are going to be able to rise more to the top. Other players are going to disappear, fade out, fail. There's going to be a lot of mergers, I'm sure, um, you know, some acquisitions. As those things go down, you know, find your way in the proper org charts and bring your expertise. I'm a, I'm a lawyer. We need finance folks. We need accounting mm-hmm. folks. You need HR folks. You need the same, you know, mindsets. This is just a different area to apply, you know, kind of those same skill sets. And, and really one other bucket I'll talk about kind of outside those three you know, main channels in the concept of entrepreneurship is that you may be the entrepreneur that forms their own sort of consumption lounge, right? That says, I want to be able to do this. This is my dream. My vision is going to be a cannabis consumption lounge. Maybe I'm, I want to do when we're at that point, we're not there yet, infused foods, right? And I want to mm-hmm. do that type of thing. Um, pop-up events, you can get what you call temporary use licenses. If you're a big event person and you throw events on a regular basis, that could be your thing where I do these maybe events every quarter and I'm able to get the temporary event licenses where at these events, you can actually have not only distribution, but also the sale of cannabis products can happen at those events because it's a temporary license for a very specific purpose. So there's a lot of ways to get in. Um, you know, some would say that and, and they're not wrong. If you're not already one of like the let's call it major growers in the state right now, um, if you're not already you know, a ton of big on the retail store space, that you're maybe a little bit behind the eight ball. What that means is it doesn't mean you can't get in the industry. Just think about your long-term vision, right? Because as this happens, especially with federal deregulation, I keep coming back to that, you're going to probably see some opening of the floodgates where you have what you call big players, multi-state operators, those MSOs. Mm-hmm. Other states are going to look at our state. They're going to look at Michigan. They're going to say, who are the players here? And that acquisitive mindset is going to take off all over again. Oh, and you're going to have kind of folks poaching and poaching and, hey, mm. we'd like to buy you. We'd like to merge with right. you, right? So, right. so I say it to say, if you're the entrepreneur, maybe you can still pull off one of these channels, you know, run a really good, successful grow. It's a grow that works for you. You're growing good quality products. Well, guess what? Certain companies can start looking at you, right? And maybe you're looking at other companies too. You're maybe looking to buy smaller grow, smaller cultivators. Maybe you get a retail store online in a key city. Okay, great. Now, 
as you expand, run a really good business, operate well, hopefully be really successful. And over time, you yourself may be looking to acquire or to be acquired. That's what's going to happen. You're going to have a big kind of dog-eat-dog game that will happen because that's just the, the nature of brand. Move into consolidation with a lot of acquisition. Absolutely. But that, you know, for entrepreneurs starting a company that want to ultimately exit one day, provides that's a win. A, you're out in front of it. If you get started now and you get yourself well positioned, that's a win, right? That's a big one. Yeah, absolutely. Really cool. In the minute or so that we've got left, and time goes so fast, you're so interesting, and you've done a great service <laughs> to our audience. Really, I mean this. You're laying out of the playing field just now. Uh, you took us to school, Thanks. man. It was great. Let me ask you this. Where are you guys headed? You know, what do you see for your company going forward? You know, I see a meaningful expansion. You know, we are going to Massachusetts in very short order. And when I say meaningful, it's twofold. One, it's about locations and, you know, the type of things that we do as far as retail stores or more grows, but also meaningful in the sense of how we do what we do and why we do it. So social equity is the part of my title on, you know, as we do well, we'll do good. This is a for-profit mm-hmm. issue, make no bones about it. However, we do recognize and understand that we have a complicated history to cannabis, right? The war on drugs was not equally applied. And because sure. of that, you know, to operate in this space is a benefit and a blessing. So mm-hmm. our job is to make sure that as we grow right, we continue to do right. You know what? You guys are headed for good things. Really loved having you on. You know, we ought to, and I'll put this right on the air, we ought to co-host this show sometime. I'd love to do that with you, oh, Jerome. Man. I I would love to do it. Really be cool. Really be cool. So let's do it. We'll do that. We'll make sure it happens. You make sure it happens and it will happen. That's great. Hey, thanks for being on and kind of giving us the the lay of the land and and your industry and where you guys are headed and what you're accomplishing. And congratulations to you on the success so far. And I know the best is yet to come with you. Oh, appreciate you. You're the man. All right. Thank you, Jerome. Thanks so much. Back next week again with another Startup Nation radio show. In the meantime, you get out there and start it up. The preceding program was furnished by Startup Nation Media Group.